0: So we are concluding Chapter 16, Divine and devilish Estates. In the beginning, Bhagavan said that the people who are born with divine estates will exhibit the following qualities, and we have seen those qualities in the first three verses of this chapter. And the people who are born with the devilish estates, the demoniac estates, they will exhibit these following qualities. Dambha, Darpa, hypocrisy, self-conceit, anger, ignorance, harshness. He said these qualities exhibited by the people who are born with demoniac qualities. So as we have discussed before, that the only estate which we can carry from one life to another are our tendencies. All other estates which we consider in this life remain here for others to enjoy. So I can keep looking at my bank balance and my what my portfolio is and all that. If I drop dead tomorrow, my family can enjoy, but I cannot take any of that with me. But I will take with me the estate which I'm acquiring along with the worldly wealth and worldly accomplishments and worldly, fame, whatever that is, but all that I have acquired here will remain here. But along with that, I'm tuning my mind to certain tendencies. All the good experiences in my life and positive experiences give me the positive impressions on my mind, all the negative experiences and negative outcomes will give me negative tendency. So I am constantly fine-tuning my inner equipment, my subtle body, constantly shaping it with my tendencies. So my tendencies continue to get fine-tuned depending on what I consider is good, what I consider bad in this life. I was born with certain tendencies and then I acquired some more in this life. I was born with some vasanas, and I exhausted some vasanas in this life, but acquired some more. So my karmic balance continue to accumulate over one life to the other. So, Bhagavan said, those who are born with the divine qualities, they will automatically exhibit these good qualities, which we have seen in the beginning. And... Because of their tendencies, the people who are with demoniac tendencies, they will demonstrate those tendencies. Their actions will be accordingly that, and either they will continue to go further in that aspect of life. So if I have sattvic qualities, I find sattvic environment, and therefore I'll strengthen my sattvic qualities. I have demoniac tendencies, I'll go demoniac environments, and I'll even further strengthen my demoniac qualities. Unless... I introspect and make sure that I root out those who are negative and those which are not helpful to me. The reason to do that is Bhagwan said the divine qualities are liberating they are liberating me from this limited ego which is made up of this mind, this intellect, the subtle body. The subtle body remains intact from one life to another. And subtle body, as we have seen, is made up of four parts mana, buddhi, chitta, and ahankar. That ahankar, that I am the doer, that notion that I am an entity who is the doer is an ego. All the negative tendencies will bind me to that notion that I, am this limited entity, is the doer. Bhagavan said those sattvic tendencies, the divine tendencies, will liberate you from that notion. Because of the knowledge that I'm not this mind, I'm not this intellect, but I'm something other than these two. I'm higher than all these three, the body, mind, and intellect will liberate me from that. So therefore Bhagavan said, it is your duty as a human being is to strengthen those qualities in you and not indulge into the demoniac Tendency. And in the rest of the chapter, we have seen how a person with those negative tendencies will behave. First of all, ignorance. Ignorance about his own self. Ignorance about what is right, what is wrong. And therefore, he will consider that this world has no reality other than the material world that I experience. Material world includes I as this body and the world outside is the reality. There is no other reality. Seeing is believing. If I cannot see it, I don't believe it. So there is no other existence, there is no higher reality other than this material world. Materialistic view of this world, where only gain in the material world is the goal of life. I want to accomplish whatever I can by any means and be happy. So Bhagavan said that tendency, that kind of wrong thinking will lead you to more and more towards this behavior which was described in this chapter. Three gates to hell. Kama, krodha, Tatha, Lobha. It's a root cause is kamaha. Desire is the root cause of all my problems and all the problems in the world. If the desire is controlled, then all my problems can go away. If I have a desire and I try to fulfill this desire in this material world, And if I do not get success, then I'll be angry. And if I get success, then I'll be greedy. I want more and more of it. I buy one real estate and be successful. I want to buy more and more and more till everything collapses one day. So Bhagavan said that these three you should be avoiding at any cost. Therefore, the final prescription in this chapter is avoid these three. Kama, Krodha, Tata, You don't have to avoid all three, just one. Desire. Not the normal desire of living my life. To live my life, there will be short-term desires. I'm hungry, I will have a desire to eat, and I'm thirsty, I have a desire to drink water. These are not the desire we are talking about. It's the desire to acquire some object which becomes an obsession which I believe will give me happiness. So my wrong idea where my happiness lies then getting obsessed with that to acquire and accomplish those objects in this material world, Bhagavan said that's the desire you should be avoiding. So you have to differentiate between your needs and your wants. If you figure out what I really need to do, then Bhagavan said you will be okay. What I want to do, and therefore if I can't do it, I'll be unhappy. The entire chapter told us that, We need to stay away from desire-prompted actions. My actions should be guided by what is right and what is wrong. As we have seen in the entire Bhagavad Gita so far, that karma yoga, the spirit of selfless actions, all actions performed in the spirit of yajna are liberating. All which are not performed in the spirit of the greater good are binding. You are going to live in this world. Your desire should be aligned with your dharma. One of the slope we have seen is I am the dharma of Viruddha Kamaha. I am the desire that is not in contradiction to my dharma. So my desires are aligned with my dharma. The dharma of a person or a thing or a being is that which makes you who you are. Dharma of sugar is to be sweet, Dharma is salt to be salty. If you take that away from that, salt is not salt and sugar is not sugar. So dharma of a human being is what makes me a human being if I align my dharma with that. The difference between the rest of the animal kingdom and human being is we have intellect which gives us the choice to decide what is right and what is wrong for me. You are not guided just by instincts, you are guided by intellect. Intellect tells you what is right, what is wrong. And you say, as long as I use that intellect for guiding me to be who I am, Bhagavan said those desires are okay, but other desire-prompted actions will bind you. So the last two verses say, YAM SASTRAVIDHIM UTSRAJYA VARTATE KAMAKARATHA NA SIDDHIM AVAPNOTI NA SUKHAM NA PARAMGATIM those who having set aside the instructions of the scriptures act under the impulse of desire only. They do not attain perfection, nor happiness, nor the supreme goal. I think some commentators who said that these two verses are interpolated as a marketing ploy to make people do all the pujas and all the rituals if you don't do it, this will happen. If you don't do it, this will happen. Swamiji explains here the sastra vidim utsrajya. Sastras in our culture are those which teach the Brahma Vidya and Yoga Sastra. Those are two considered the sastras. All the other books of knowledge are called Prakrana Grantha. So there are so many other books are written to explain what your dharma is how to do that, they're called granth, like manusmruti. But sastras are the that which teaches us Brahma Vidya. Brahma Vidya is who I am, what is the truth about my own self, what is the truth about the supreme reality, it's called Brahma Vidya. So Upanishads are considered Brahma Vidya. And then yoga sastra, that sastra which teaches me how to unite with the truth is the yoga sastra. So we have books which teach how to do yoga, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, and there are probably many. So these two, that which teaches me what is the truth, that also teaches me how to align with the truth of considered sastra. So Bhagavan says is those who cast aside the instructions in the truth in the sastras, they will be not attaining any perfection. In our modern day, the sastras are all the books of knowledge that we know, I mean science and secular branch of knowledge that we have. If I want to go from here to New York, there are maps available on Google, and go on MapQuest or Google and say, where do I go? So then we go three paths. One path is this, you can go this way, this will take a little longer, There's more traffic, this are tall, I would choose one. But once I choose that path, I have to follow the guidance given by that sastra I have preferred. If I now don't do what that the GPS guidance is giving me, then I'll end up in some wrong location. If it says go north on 95, and I decide, well, who are you to tell me? I'm going to go south. Well, obviously, you have all freedom to go north or south. Only difference would be you won't end up in New York. You will end up in Florida someplace. So, But once it, those who are Casting aside the wisdom of our ancestors. Everything we know today was experienced and left behind for us. And then we just take it from there. So if I don't follow the wisdom of my ancestors and do something differently, then I will not achieve the perfection. Perfection, that which I am trying to accomplish. In the end, we are trying to achieve only one thing and one thing alone is happiness. That's my goal. I want to be perfect. Why? Because that will make me happy. So you will not achieve that perfection. If you don't achieve perfection, you won't have the sukha. Happiness only comes when mind is not agitated. As long as there is a want, there is no peace in mind. Swami used to say that I minus I want is happiness. As long as I want there... There is no chance of having happiness. There will be pursuit of happiness, but not happiness. It's when I achieve that, and at that moment there is no want in my mind, that will be happiness. That perfect sukham. Because there is no want there. So, Bhagavan said, not only he doesn't achieve perfection, and because he does not achieve perfection, he went to a sukha. Na param gatim. He does not attain that highest goal. What is the highest goal? Continuous happiness. I have short-term goal of let me be happy this morning, that class goes well. Then there is a long-term goal. I want everything to go well. That's why Vakratunda, Mahakaya, Suryakoti, Samaprada, Nirvignam, sarva Sarvakaryesu. We didn't say Bhagavan, Ajkadeen. Then it's Everything that I do, I want success in it. Why? I want continuous happiness. That's Paramgatim. So Bhagavan says, he cannot achieve that. And therefore, the last verse concludes and says, tasmat sastram pramanam te karya akarya vivasthito. Therefore, just as the sastra says, sastra, that highest knowledge which says, what is the truth? What is the truth about your own self? And how to get there? If I keep that as my goal, and then align everything to it, everything will fall in place. It's like a mission statement for a company. You have to do a mission statement. We want to provide the best architectural services which help not only the developers but the users of the facility and the public in general. Healthy living and working environment. Now you have a mission statement. Then everything you do, you have to do according to that. Every building you design, everything you do, you have to follow that guideline. So if you make a mission statement of life, is my mission statement is to achieve that permanent happiness and I'll do everything that is necessary to do that. And Bhagavan said, then follow the guidance given in the sastras. Bhagavad Gita is considered a sastra, not Prakrana Grantha, because it distills all the knowledge of Brahmavidya and Yoga Sastra into one poem. And because it is given out in a situation where Arjuna was completely shattered, that it is given more sympathetically to people like us. So simple advice is, follow Bhagavad Gita. What it says to be done, what should be avoided. Tasma sastra pramanam te karya akarya vyavasthito gnatva sastra vidhanuktam karbakartum kartum iha So therefore, know what the scriptures say, what ought to be done and what not to be done. Having known that, thou shalt act here in this world. So that the final advice Bhagavan gave in this chapter, that for you the safest path is to consult your sastra. That's like refer your books as many times as you can. Swami used to say that Gita is like owner's manual. When you buy a car, you get an owner's manual, if you refer to the owner's manual and do all the things which the owner's manual say about your maintenance, your car will run fine. But if you don't, then obviously your owner's manual will be very in a good <coughs> condition, but not your car. Bhagavan so said that follow the guidance of Yoga Sastra and then live your life accordingly. At the end of every chapter, there is Sankalpa Vakya. In olden days when there were no books, you should know when the chapter ended and the new chapter is going to start. So in Upanishad, in the beginning there will be a Shanti part, such as Sahana Vautu, Sahana Gunaktu, Badram Karane, Vishnu Niyama Devaha. That's a prologue. And the epilogue was, you will repeat the last verse twice. So those who are chanting, they will know that, okay, once I have repeated the verse, that chapter ended... New chapter starts. In Bhagavad Gita, at the end of every chapter, there is Sankal Pavakya. Here it says, Om Tatsadeti Srimad Bhagavad Gita Su Upani Satsu Brahma Vidyayam Yoga Sastre Sri Krishna Juna Samvade Daiva Asura Sampat Vibhag Yoga Nama Shoda This sankalpavakya remains the same in all chapters except the name of the chapter and the number changes. So it clearly says here, this Sankalpavakya tells us, make a firm resolve that what I am learning is Brahmavidya Srimad Bhagavad Gita Su Upanishad, Su Upanishad is one which gives me the knowledge about myself. Because it's an Upanishad, it's a Brahma Vidya. It tells me who I am. It's also Yoga Shastra. It also tells me instruction about how to connect myself, this limited self, to the higher self and therefore now i confirm that i have learned chapter 16 named Deva asura sampad vibhag yoga and i will move on to the 17th chapter so that's the sankalpa om sarve bhavantu sukhina sarve santu Niramayaha sarve bhadrani pashyantu Mā kāścid dukha शांति Om shāntihi, shāntihi, shāntihi Harihi Om Shri Harihi Om